Hi, this is Denna Hornby, and you're listening to The Calling, where we explore the lives of people who have been called to various types of ministries in their churches and in their communities. Today, we're here with Philip Jameson, president of the United Methodist Foundation for the Memphis and Tennessee Conferences. Introducing you to local church and community leaders, The Calling. Welcome, Phil. Thank you for having me. We're glad you're here today. We want to learn a little bit more about Phil Jamison, the person. Okay. Where did you grow up? I grew up in uh, outside of Youngstown, Ohio. Okay. Uh, kind of the old Rust Belt area. And uh, pretty much uh, everybody worked in, well, most steel, steel, steel mills were the major uh, employers for that area. My okay. father didn't do that, but that was the, the major employer for the area yeah. when did, I was growing up. Did you ever work? No, in not still? in a foundry. No, no. Yeah. I've, I've got, <laughs> and I've got the hands to show it. Kind of no, very limited heavy labor for me. Right. Yeah. As a matter of fact, actually, when I was about thirteen or fourteen, that's when the steel mills began to close. So that that was a major. We moved away at around that point. My family did, but that was a kind of major devastating time in those communities. And um, so basically, the whole industry changed there. I can imagine that was devastating mm-hmm. for the community, a loss of not only livelihood, but um, history and tradition for their yeah. families. History and identity. And there was many years where people just didn't really quite know what to do. It mm-hmm. wasn't just, you know, the economics of it, but the, uh, like you said, the identity is, um, this is all they had done. This is all their fathers had ever done. This is all their grandfathers had ever done. And so it was very difficult for a lot of families. Where did life take you next? Actually to Lynchburg, Virginia. Wow. Where am I, uh, father he had been in the finance business and uh, took early retirement and this was around 1973 Um, and um, decided to go in with a a good friend of his uh, into the recreational vehicle uh, industry and so he took a lot of his savings and pretty much actually most of his savings and uh, invested in that uh, just in time for the first oil embargo Oh, wow. So it became a very, uh, my father was a, he was very much a child of the Depression. Mm-hmm. And so this was quite a very uh, difficult time for him then because he pretty much lost uh, uh, most of what he had been able to save over the years. We did, we were fine. You know, we were never, our, ho- our house or anything was never in danger, but it was a very, again, identity, very difficult sure. thing for him. Uh, and in some ways, it was uh, a remarkable time in his life he had grown up uh, in a christian household um but he um, had grown up pretty rough in some ways too and um like i said this was kind of his greatest fear was to go back to uh to really a life of poverty that he had grown up in he was he grew up in uh, western pennsylvania and his father was a coal miner uh, who was actually killed in a coal mine accident so uh that immediately thrust the family into a very difficult situation. Uh, his oldest brother dropped out of high school immediately because he had to go work, try to find mm-hmm. some work. Right. So my dad, um, that was his experience as about a 12-year-old, and uh, it was wow. very formative for him. And in, since then, his greatest fear was to lose money, you know, to lose job and to lose livelihood. And really the remarkable thing about that, though, was that even though that happened to him, it, it drew him closer to Christ than he ever mm-hmm. had been in his entire life. He didn't blame God for that. You know, he never, he didn't see that, but he realized uh, that, that God could see him through even kind of his darkest night, even his greatest fear of what might happen was uh, 
it uh, did not overcome him. So wow. it was a uh, it was a very much a formative time, and I was a teenager. So during during these times, and so it was um, very powerful. You know, as a result of my own formation, to see my father really, in the midst of adversity, uh, become closer to God. So that was a very important part of, of my own personal yeah. uh, growth uh, as as a believer in Christ. You got to see your father live his faith, not just talk about his exactly. faith. Exactly, that's very that's very true. Yeah. yeah. What was your daddy's name? Lloyd. Lloyd, Lloyd. Jameson. Lloyd Jameson, and he died and. Uh, well, just just ten years ago, this really? uh, this year, um, lived in V ninety one. Wow! So he had a good good long life, uh, and uh, was was a good man. Yeah. yeah. Do you have siblings? I do, I do actually, and uh, this is kind of another interesting part of my story is that I'm the youngest by twelve years. Wow! I have well, my oldest sister has died. Oh. But sorry. I had and my so I still have uh, one sister and a brother, and my brother is the closest in age to me. But he, like I said, he's twelve years older than I am. So um, I was I was the fourth child, but I kind of grew up as an only child. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. So that kind of was an interesting part of my own formation. I have a nephew who's actually uh, ten weeks older than I am. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. So it's a, that's that was always that's a very interesting way to grow up too. So Uncle Phil was the playmate. Yes. Yeah. He never <laughs> called me Uncle Phil, but that that, that was if you called me Uncle Phil, it was to kind of razz me. So, yeah. Did you have any best friends with your siblings being so much older? Well, yeah, some actually. This um, my my oldest sister Susan, who's since passed away. That was Peter, my older nephew's uh, mother, and um, she um, kind of made a mistake in an early marriage and came home. And so, in essence, Peter and I, my nephew, kind of grew up almost as brothers. Oh, wow! Uh, for about the first five or six years, so we were very close growing up, and yeah. then just kind of regular friends. But you know, my oldest brother, he was my the one next to me in age, I kind of, one of my early memories is him graduating from high school. So wow. they were always out of the house and were always kind of adult, you know, adults to, to me as a child. Yeah. Yeah. And then one day you met a pretty lady named Janet. I did. And she stole your heart. She definitely did that. Tell us about your wife. Yeah. Um, I was in my first semester of seminary. Uh, I went to Asbury Seminary and uh, this was in uh in, in uh, the great metropolis of Wilmore, Kentucky, just outside of Lexington. It's actually a very small town. And uh, I think it's grown, gotten a little larger, but at that time, pretty much uh, it was the college and the seminary. The college was on one side of the, kind of, there was one road that went through the town. The college was on one side and the seminary was on the other. And at that point, um, I had just graduated college. I went right from college to seminary. And um, uh, so I was, you know, a young guy still, um, and at that point, Asbury did had very few uh, women students. Right. So if you wanted to see meet women, uh, you went across the street. And Janet had just she'd graduated a year or so before and was working in uh, as a head resident in a girls' dormitory, a women's dormitory. So um, yes, I I wandered across the street like like so many of my classmates did, and I I was captured. <laughs> Or I captured her, or something happened. Yes, she she captured you. Probably <laughs> you just weren't aware. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> and um, you have a beautiful family now. We do. We do. We have um, uh, we have two children. Uh, our daughter Bethany. Uh, she is um, married, actually married to a United Methodist pastor. Oh wow! Who serves in the Western Pennsylvania Annual Conference? And the family business. Family business. Well, I guess so. I never <laughs> thought of it that way, but maybe so. And then our son Mark was just married. Kaylin is his uh, wife, and uh, so we're looking forward to seeing them at Christmas. I bet so. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a beautiful family. Thank you. Yeah.
I'm Denna Hornby, and you're listening to The Calling. I'm Denna Hornby, and we're back with The Calling. Today we're speaking with Philip Jameson, who is the president of the United Methodist Foundation for the Memphis and Tennessee Conferences. Phil, before this show, I did a little research, and I happened to listen to a video that you have online sort of welcoming and introducing people to this foundation. And I noticed as you were speaking that you were sitting in front of a library. Yes. And I find it so interesting to know what people are reading. So I I looked at some of the books <laughs> behind you, and I noticed Ancient Christian Commentary, the idea of university. You had, I think, Run With Horses and an essay on the development of Christian doctrine. Mm-hmm. So when you read, what do you enjoy reading? Oh, my goodness. Well, that's, that's a good question. I um, It's pretty eclectic. I um, And this kind of gets to kind of the, the different ways in which my calling has, has kind of changed and shifted over the years. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm a United Methodist elder. Uh, and I served churches as a pastor for 11 years, and that was in the Cleveland, Ohio area. I was I was ordained uh, an elder in the United in the East Ohio Annual Conference. Since I've since then I've transferred to the Tennessee Annual Conference, uh, but served churches. Um, but bef- right after seminary, graduated from seminary, um, I had been encouraged by some of my seminary professors to think about going on to graduate school. So I did that, and and Janet, my wife, we were married by then. Uh, she said, "Well, if we're going to do." you're ever going to do this, let's do this now before we have children. So that's right. what we did. So in 1985, we moved to Boston, where I began a, a PhD program in theology at Boston College. And while there, I studied uh, medieval theology was the primary focus of what I did. But that that required a pretty strong uh, background in patristics, which is what right. you said, the ancient commentaries. Um, and so I've always, I, so I did a, got a PhD in historical theology and then went to serve churches. Wow. Um, and so, um, I, you know, I, I, hopefully I didn't bore people too much from the pulpit, uh, but I always uh, had a deep appreciation for, you know, the historical research and, and, and getting a good, strong background. And, and particularly uh, at Boston College, um, uh, I got, a, I got a, a kind of a – had to dive deeply into the larger tradition because, of course, it's a Roman Catholic school. And so I uh, quickly began to realize how little I actually knew, you mm-hmm. know, from my own small uh, perspective as, right. as a Methodist. And um, so came to have a great and deep appreciation uh, for the larger conversation that was going on, that John Wesley was an important part of, but had right. gone on long before he did and has, of course, continued long after Wesley. And so um, I, I, do, I don't read as much history as I once did. Um, but that's always been a part of what I've read. Mm-hmm. Um, you read the idea of a university that's uh, Cardinal Newman, so a you know, well-known Roman Catholic uh, theologian and philosopher. Um, I, I I did a lot of uh, uh, work with Karl Barth, not not him personally, <laughs> but with, with reading Barth when I was uh, in graduate school as well. So I still read quite a bit of Barth. And I do read some Wesley here and there, yeah. uh, particularly his sermons, and particularly his sermons on money. I've spent a lot, quite a bit of time uh, working with that part of things. I'm sure. Have you, uh, are you on Facebook by chance? Mm-hmm. Yes. Have you seen the Carl Barth for Dummies on Facebook? I have. It's wonderful. Yeah. There's some very funny <laughs> things there, yes. Have. As a matter of fact, I've, I've passed some of those on on my own Facebook page. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's been an important part of what I've done. And you, you, you referenced uh, Eugene Peterson. Uh, one of the books that he read. And Peterson was a very important part of, particularly for me when I was a pastor, 
uh, he, uh, I think I really in many ways learned what's most important about pastoring from Eugene Peterson. Uh, yeah. And uh, the focus on the basics. You know, mm-hmm. if, you, if you're, if you're, if you're grounded in the basics by, you know, what is, you know, preaching and the celebration of the sacraments and pastoral care, um, a lot of the kind of annoying things eventually kind of work their ways, <laughs> work their way out. So I try not to try to major in the majors and not, not in the minors, which is always uh, a temptation to do in the, in the midst of church work, I think. Right. How did your calling change or how did you perceive the call from the church and, and sort of the pulpit ministry mm-hmm to this United Methodist Foundation. Yeah. And if you don't care, explain a little bit of what the United Methodist Foundation actually is. I will do that. There, there's a, there was a step in between the pulpit ministry uh, and the foundation, and that's where uh, I taught for 13 years in a Presbyterian seminary. Okay. And so when I was pastoring, um, I pastored pretty much through uh, the 90s. And um, the the economy was fairly good where I was pastoring, and so... Um, uh, the, we we made all of our obligations and and I I got raises fairly regularly, and um, and so it seemed to me if it's not broke why try to fix it? Sure. And I kind of knew that I didn't really want to talk about money, and the folks in the church really didn't want me to talk about money, and, and so we seemed to get along just quite well sure. in, in that way. So when I was pastoring, I didn't have a whole lot of focus on the money side of things. The other part too that made it is Janet was a CPA. And so if I kind of ever had financial questions, I would just ask at home, and I didn't really have to kind of, you know, explore too, too many things. So I right. probably sounded more intelligent to the folks in the church than I actually was, but I knew enough to, to, to quote my wife. So um, when we, and oh, and then Janet, when we, when we moved to Iowa, in Dubuque, Iowa, that's where the school was, there was an undergraduate program as well, and Janet taught accounting in that. So one day the dean of the seminary came to me and asked if we, that is Janet and I, together would teach a, a kind of a one-credit elective on ministry and money sorts of issues. And it was my boss asking, and so the answer was supposed to be yes, so that's yeah. what I said. Uh, but again, without really any background whatsoever um, or any, any focus whatsoever on that part of ministry. But the interesting thing happened with that is, is in getting ready for that class, um, I really um, came to see uh, how many opportunities I had missed by being so hesitant to speak more wow. about, about money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the interesting thing, Dana, was that it wasn't so much that we could have raised a lot more money in mm-hmm. the church had I asked mm-hmm. more. It was all the pastoral opportunities that kind of went by because, as I said, my hesitancy to address it. So really the elephant in the room. Right. Um, what were people more concerned about? You know, what were the worries more than that? So it was the money side. So anyway, that eventually led to the teaching that class led to the writing of a book, which led to some speaking engagements, which led to why don't you apply for this foundation position, oh. which I did. The foundation uh, does a, several things. We um, we do a lot of stewardship education, uh, and so I think that's I've I've talked to you some in, yes. in, in those parts of things. We um, hold money. We act as a custodian for endowed funds for churches, primarily in the two annual conferences, about $55 million. And then we also have another a development fund, which uh, gives it's about another $20 million, which gives loans to uh, churches. So those are, those are the primary things that, that we do on the, on the foundation side of things. That's great. I know that you have written a couple of books, mm-hmm. and you co-wrote with your wife on yes. that. If you don't mind, just tell us the titles sure. of your yeah. books. Yeah, the... Um, the, book, the main book that Janet and I wrote together is called Ministry and Money, A Practical Guide for, for Pastors. 
So it was an attempt to fill in the gaps for a, for a lot of clergy who that's not historically been a part of our background. Uh, and so um, that we wrote that. We also um, write the guideline, have written the guidelines for finance committees for the United Methodist Church. And then I wrote a book on my own about forgiveness mm-hmm. uh, called uh, The Face of Forgiveness, A Pastoral oh, wow. Theology of, of Redemption, of Shame and Redemption. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. So if you're listening and uh, you too do not enjoy talking about money, Phil Jameson is your go-to. And after a short break, we will have more conversation with Dr. Phil Jameson. Our guest today is Phil Jamison on The Calling, and he would like to share a motivational moment. Great. Thank you. Um, well, I'm not quite sure when this will be aired, but it is two weeks uh, from Christmas today is, is when we're in here uh, recording this. So I thought I would uh, give a little, little, just a couple thoughts about Christmas. And, and I wanted to uh, begin with uh, uh, not, not, the, not the Christmas story that we uh, usually see the children perform, but, but John's version of it, which, uh, takes, which takes place in eternity, actually. So let me begin with just reading a couple verses uh, from John 1. Uh, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in, uh, in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glorious of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. I, I mentioned... Uh, when, when you asked me about my family, uh, kind of the, the difficult uh, time that my father uh, went through uh, when he took early retirement and then uh, m- made not, not really his fault, but a, kind of an, an untimely business uh, decision. Uh, and for him, um, that was probably, uh, certainly as an adult, his, his darkest moment. Uh, it was his greatest fear coming true that he was going to, after all these years, kind of return to a time of poverty that uh, he had grown up in as a boy. And that, for me, was a very formative event, uh, his experience. And what I just wanted to reflect on a little bit for us in terms of the Scripture was that it's, it's in the dark night, actually, that, that Christ shows up. And that it says, you know, that he, he's the light but he comes into the world, and he enters into a very dark world. And what I have seen in my own life, but particularly in the life of my father, but in my own life too, not only in my own life, but in working with a lot of people over the years, that it seems that if we're paying attention, that it's particularly in those darkest moments where we sometimes have the most real realization of, of Christ's advent, of his coming to us. And um, I guess primarily what I just want to encourage us is to have an awareness of in those particularly dark times that that's exactly where the light would come. It's into those dark times in our lives. That's exactly where Jesus tends to show up. And so it's not only there, but I, so I guess I want to also invite us, if the, those dark things that we may fear the most, what our greatest fears are, to know that that's exactly the point where God is willing to enter in and to help us understand 
that we aren't spared these dark times. We experience them, but we never experience them alone. So for me, that's an awful lot of the promise of Christmas. You know, again, the, the, the primary theological reason why we celebrate it when we do at December 25th is just exactly the turning of the light. When the light enters into the world again, the nights are not as long as they had been, and the light shines again. So uh, for me, uh, this time of year, as we head into Christmas, that's an awful lot of where I gain my own joy and my own, and my own sense of celebration at this time is that particularly in the time where it seems darkest, uh, the Lord Jesus enters in and never leaves us alone. That is beautiful. That certainly speaks to the hope, peace, love, and joy of the Advent season. Yeah. Thank you, Phil. Sure. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be back with our top five. I'm Dana Hornby. We're back with The Calling and with Dr. Phil Jamison. Phil, we end our show each time with the top five questions. All right. Now, this is a rapid fire. You do, however, get the opportunity to plead the fifth on one question. <laughs> so no, You're not going to let me know what all five are at first. Though, oh, no, I mix them up. You never know what okay. the five will be. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready? All right. If you could be invisible or fly, which would it be? Fly. Really? Where would you fly to? Oh, my. Just anywhere. <laughs> you know, I think that'd be pretty pretty neat. Would you have uh, the wings of a bird or the wings of an angel? I'd rather just be able to fly and not have, kind of like Superman, not have to have oh, any wings. Oh, nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, if you were <laughs> arrested for a crime, what would your family say your crime had been? Oh, gosh. <laughs> All right, I'm taking the fifth on that <laughs> one. <laughs> if you're to mention crime, I, that, that seems to be the appropriate time to do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if there were a movie of your life, which movie star would you want to play the role of Phil Jameson? Oh, gosh. Well, I should probably say something like uh, Brad Pitt or, or that kind of thing, but that, that would not, that really wouldn't work. It's probably maybe uh, Jack Nicholson, but kind of the way Jack Nicholson looks now rather than when he was young. Okay, so. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of thinking maybe Liam Neeson. Oh, Liam Neeson. Okay, yeah. that's good. I'd take yeah. that too. Okay, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If there were a gag reel of your life, what would be on it? Um, when I was teaching in the seminary, we would have a senior banquet, and, and I emceed it most of the time I was there. And so I was pretty silly uh, in a lot of... Uh, of, of uh, during those events, so really? that would that would that'd probably be highlights from from that would be the first thing that comes to mind. Do you know some good jokes? Um, not really. <laughs> <laughs> it's more off the cuff sort of thing, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm not a great joke teller. But. Okay, last question then. Um, what's on your playlist? My playlist. Oh, okay. Um, well, it's pretty eclectic. Uh, I like a lot of jazz. Oh, uh, yeah. Have some classical. I've been actually been listening to uh, there's and I can't think of it now that you asked Anna, but um, from Holst the Planets, they're mm-hmm. the middle section of Jupiter is just this wonderful theme, mm-hmm. and, and they've actually written uh, some some hymn words around it. So it's very majestic, and it's just a good one for this time of year. Uh, so that's that's been something I've been listening to here lately. Wonderful. Well, Phil, we've enjoyed our time with you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. We are so glad that you're here. You're listening to The Calling, and we hope that you will join us for our next podcast.